1: guys what's happening welcome into the show it is going to be an ask the obr episode here um we are going to um jump into this thing pretty quickly listen i was the first video was skipping and it wasn't staying steady so i wanted to put on a different i was going to end it early but you were all complaining so much i did uh, decided to let you all sit in silence for five minutes <laughs> decision so um <laughs> there you go uh Anyway, we are going to jump in and take some questions for discussion, and then we're also going to talk about. Um, for my sake, I wanted to do, and if you listen to my pod, I also kind of want to wrap up a discussion I've had. Every single one of these uh, shows I've done, I've uh, given a 2022 performance review. So Brad and I are going to hit on, um, going to hit on uh, linebackers and special teams today. So. We're going to hit on that at the very end, but for now, we're doing ask the OBR. I have some pre-made questions here that I'm ready to kind of go about discussion points. But much like we have, um, you know, from Fumble 13 here to start, opinion on today's trade. We'll start with that. So anything you want to have discussion on in the chat room or us to discuss, throw it in the chat, and then we can uh, we can we can go through and broach Any question is fine. So throw those in there, and we'll uh, pick those up. As I want to be sort of a free for all on Tuesdays here. Of ask anything you would like. So. Brad, first of all, fill everybody in. The trade today is it seems like the, based on some things you read that the uh, the Broncos were going back and forth between D'Amico Ryans and, and then they talked to Jim Harbaugh. Then they went back to trying to figure out – I would imagine – this is my opinion before you read the compensation, Brad, that it's different. The trades that used to happen for coaches are different because of the – the, the salaries used to be crazy for first-round picks, a lot a lot more crazy than they used to be. Now that they have slotted uh, salary cap structures based on pick, there's a lot more value to those picks and the duration of rookie contracts. So that's why you don't see a ton of coach trades. And I think that's why the Broncos, in my opinion, although we know Sean Payton is a very talented coach, that's why, in my opinion, Sean Payton, they explored a bunch of different um, options before they settled on Payton because they had to give up a lot. Tell everybody what they gave up.
2: So they, they end up giving up uh, a first-round pick this draft, which is actually the Bradley Chubb uh, compensation they got in that trade. So, uh, but, And then they get a second-round pick in the 24 draft. Uh, or they give up, pardon me. They get back, of course, Sean Payton and uh, a 24 third-round pick. So they swap a second and a third next year. They get Sean Payton and give up uh a first which was essentially what they got back for chubb when they traded him so uh it's an interesting trade it's interesting as well that uh ryan's you know they efforted him twice jake Mm -hmm. but he chooses the texans over the broncos job which i find intriguing
1: why do you think he did that
2: what's your opinion on that choice uh, I mean, resources, right? And, I mean, I kind of, you know, from what I watched arrest this year, I wouldn't want to touch Russ with a 10-foot pole right now, to be honest. I don't know. I mean, that dude, you know, once again, some of these guys come a- away from or an organization like they did in Seattle where a lot of this was probably covered up and winning, you know, kind of – covered up a lot of it but mm-hmm. he seems like a bit of a head case to me jake uh, I, I think he's kind of a douche and um and he really is uh not ideal for that organization i don't think and i, I think they pretty much are are hoping sean payton can save him right like it, it somehow pull him out of it i know he looked better at the end of the year but pretty awful year for him
1: yeah it was an awful year i guess sean payton thinks there's more there I'm not. I'm not entirely sure, but like to me, it's um, to me it's sort of interesting. Is is with with Peyton that he, I felt like he he was a lot more desperate to get back into coaching than I anticipated. Yeah, I, I'll leave it. I'll leave it that way because I thought he was going to be a bit more choosy about this whole thing, and I and I think it it could have been, it could have been also tied to like the the opportunity to get back into this thing was harder for him than he thought with the trading of picks, like. Again, we haven't seen a coach traded for real picks that matter in a long time. I mean, even Arians was traded, but it was like a six-round pick. So um, it's it's tricky. It's really tricky. So I think he got a place that he thought he could maneuver. Now, I think Denver is obviously up against it. They only have so many picks. Now, they they traded Bradley Chubb, who is fine. I thought getting a first back for him was – uh, well worth it but then again you're not giving that up you're giving up your second which turns into a third next year it just gets harder and harder for them so um, Payton's gonna have to be phenomenal and he's gonna have to really come in and really hit it out of the park with Russ right away and and form that relationship there has to be some sort of you know there has to be some sort of relationship from before this happened in, in terms of like uh, something, I don't know, Brad, there's gotta be, there's no way he could go into this blind based on what we saw last year. So he's got to. he has gotta like a lot of the assets. And I think a lot of people were like, go get Jerry Judy and try to see, I don't think they're going to move anything. Like, I think that they, they're limited as is, and they're going to try to just uh, make the best of what they have in my opinion. So, um, you know, otherwise, like to me, it's an interesting trade, but I think there were less opportunities for Peyton than we think put it that way, because not many teams aligned with having a late first round pick to give up and the willingness to do that. So I think it's a home run for Denver personally. I mean, they gave up the pick, but they got a great coach out of it. And it's a chance to turn around the situation they're stuck in with Russ. I'm not sure it was great uh, for Peyton per se, but I think it was I think it was great for Denver. We'll see how long this whole thing sticks. out. Also, there's a how much money
2: is Peyton going to command? He's talking about
1: 20 million or something. So we'll see, you know,
2: about that. The question, too, is, like, okay, so what if he can't fix Russ? Like, what if Russ is just broke, right? And which I, you know, don't know, but it feels like that could be the case, right? Like, I don't know if coaching is just the problem there. It looked like it was a little bit deeper than that to me. But uh, if that's the case, I mean, how difficult will it be for them to move off of him? I mean, it's nearly impossible, right? Uh, I mean, not impossible, but it's going to be a difficult process to try to pivot, say, year two with Sean Payton to somebody else, right? I mean, they're already up against it.
1: Yeah, I don't, I don't know when the out is. The uh, yeah, the out doesn't come until twenty twenty-five after the twenty-five season. There's a potential yeah. out four years, one sixty-one, thirty-one mil dead cap. Like it's, it's. I mean, he's pretty much there. Three more years now. If it gets really, really like, I can't believe how bad this is. They could move on from him and just swallow their pride, I guess. But Eat it, yeah. you know, I don't I don't know, man. Um, I don't I don't know. Like a lot of what Russell Wilson was really great at was an ability to extend plays, to make plays downfield, keep plays alive, keep himself afloat. And he was unwilling to do that in a in a way that worked. And how that works, Brad, with a coach in Peyton who's very predicated on timing and that's what made Drew Brees really good with Sean Payton was the the ability to to consistently get the football out on time in the place it was supposed to go. They were so synced up on that. How that works with Russell Wilson, eesh, I do not know. I, I do not know. That is going to be one of the more appointment television-type teams who it has very high disaster potential. We'll leave it at that, yes. very high disaster potential. Agreed. But we'll be watching. First modern coaching trade in a long time, so – um you know anyway let's keep moving uh let's let's try to field a couple questions before anything that was pre-made up um let's see here there was one i saw uh about edge options any quality edge options opposite miles been thinking Yannick and gakway from colts uh a bit expensive yeah i mean there are there are certainly going to be uh draft options brad um i know that now we've talked about this and how hard it is to come up with quality draft drafted interior and outside linemen from from the from the second round range, right? It can happen. I believe Chris Jones was a second round pick. Like they're out there, but expecting guys to do that is not always an easy thing to, to I, I, I would put it this way. I wouldn't I wouldn't go about it that way. You know what I'm saying? So there are um if we're looking at edge options, we're trying to trying to kind of filter in DNs that would matter here. You talked about Yannick maybe um, that's possible um, Robert quinn uh, there's a, lot, a couple of Philly really old veterans here in Robert Quinn, Brandon Graham Matt Ioannidis is interesting down in, from down in Carolina um as, as far as talking like anywhere along the line uh, Melvin Ingram, a bit more of a three four type stand up type it could could fill that role maybe Justin Houston Davenport's probably at the young age of twenty six going to go somewhere and make some good money i don 't think Cleveland will be all too much in the running. Um yeah, on that I saw,
2: one. Uh I saw his uh estimated APY over twenty million, which is outrageous. So
1: So you gotta pay on the market man for these yep. guys. That's that's the tricky part. So we'll see. There's there's veteran options that are out there that can help weather the storm here. Um
2: you know, I have talking like sh-
1: go ahead, man, hit hit us with it.
2: Uh, So in uh, Ask the Insiders uh, on our glorious uh, forums, right, uh, Mm -hmm. someone asked about Clell and Farrell as a reclamation project, Mm -hmm. and that that kind of fits into what Barry uh, does, right? You know, takes a high draft pick first round with some talent and tries to, you know— uh, new situation, new style, all that stuff. He's done it with a couple different players. It worked out with you know uh, Malik McDowell, uh, not so much with you know Taven Bryant. So mm-hmm. um, either way kind of fits his uh, mo. I responded to it. I thought it was a, a kind of a uh, an astute you know point to to look at him. What do you think of Cleland Farrell as like, You know, what if you could get him for like five million um, and at the worst or at the very. At your base expectations, uh, a rotational piece.
1: Yeah, they need to do as many of those types of players as possible. My opinion, Like going out and getting some reclamation guys going out and getting some guys they think. And again, I talk about it all the time, like raise the basement. Uh, I think there's not just there's not just one answer to me. So I think they need to be. Um, pretty aggressive in in going out and getting some types that can that can help raise that basement. So I'm I'm into that certainly. Um, I talked about Arden Key, who I wanted last yeah. year, another higher drafted player who who has kind of fallen out of favor. Where he was at originally, I think he was out in San Fran, then moved to Jacksonville last year. I don't know if he'll come as cheap as he did before, but a guy that I'm very into. They're they're not going. Uh, this is just my hunch. They're not going to go get a big name. Like they're going to try to piece depth. Like the thing that Philly did with Schwartz was have a bunch of players who could rotate in. And I think that they're going to try to do that, get get the group to raise the, the bottom level of who they are and become a competent collective pass rush instead of leaning into one player as they have with Miles Garrett for so long. So I think that's, to me, um, the angle that they'll take. And there are a lot of interesting options and we'll be writing on those options over the coming weeks like we're gonna we're gonna be putting a lot of those pen to paper and what they can do and how they can take those decisions and then sort of manifest a draft off of those decisions that they make brad so i think that's a good question i continue to think you're going to see less Dayron ron more uh more affordable types uh, trying to create two players out of that one salary slot and yep. you have to i mean again if you had like uh if jordan elliott had become a player that you could count on so on and so forth like i think that that's an angle but you know, you're not. You're really looking at. And when we broke it down, it's kind of even more depressing to say it out loud. Talking about these guys, like they are, uh they're bad. It's it's a bad group up front, and then you you mix in the group of, um, and it's bad. And there's unproven's right. So that's that's the big thing is bad and some unproven's, and they they've got to figure out a way, in my opinion, to 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 go get some players that are at least rosterable quality um that that are you know about average they need some average uh defensive tackles they need another edge that can that can be effective right doesn't have to be great but he can be effective enough um that's what you hope for uh because when you look at what they got out of Clowney, it wasn't wasn't very much this past year anyway so i think you can create that there are veterans on the market that can help you create that at least, in my opinion. So we'll see what they end up doing, but I'm I'm curious about the path they can take, because there's there's a lot of different um, a lot of different options. So that's a good one. I know another question I just saw here, uh, which is which was noted by some media in Cleveland that they think mm-hmm. that based on what they know that there's an inclination that the Browns would shy away from a bigger veteran contract like a um, you know a Brandon Cooks or. Uh, who else is out there that's been kind of popularly talked about? Uh, DeAndre Hopkins. There are plenty of, of them out there that, that have that, that have come up, and rightfully so. These guys are looking for other landing spots. I don't think Cooks wants to be in um, Houston anymore, and I understand. And then I certainly don't think um, Hopkins wants to go through another year of a rebuild there without the quarterback, which is going to be pretty gross year for Arizona, I think, by all, by all accounts. So the question and, – and, again, it's going to be funny because we expect Arizona to be pretty bad without without – Uh, Murray, and then they're probably going to have the first pick. They could probably have the first pick. And then there's going to be Caleb Williams sitting right there for them to make a decision. But anyway, um, I think the idea that I have had is I would love to go get a young wide receiver, such as who is being discussed here, right? Elijah Moore. I think he's a nice young player caught in a really terrible offense with really terribly run and personality meshing and stuff like that just wasn't wasn't very good. So I think when you look at the – the landscape we talked already about one player which was a guy who came up kind of at the trade deadline truth or no truth i don't know but jerry judy came up like there are some of these i would understand obviously the browns want a younger target right like i would love to go get a guy still in a rookie contract and cheat for a couple more years who i still think can play that should be the goal for this group if you can get the best of both worlds right which is hey we don't actually have to go resign. DeAndre Hopkins is some two-year deal, or we don't have to go restructure. We can just bring in a guy on a rookie contract. But to me, those guys aren't just always available, Brad. They're just not – teams aren't always willing to part with them for nothing. So I would be willing to listen and, and understand that you have to give something to get something. And, like, if you do want to go get somebody like Elijah Moore, you're probably going to have to give up somebody or a pick that matters, and I'm okay with moving off of one of the outside corners. So in my opinion, if they wanted Newsom or if they wanted Emerson – I mean, the, the thing about – Ward, it's tricky. I mean, he's he's got the, all the dead cap tied to him and stuff like that. So that one's a little bit tricky. But I'm at least, I mean, I'm interested in if they made that decision. I would totally understand why they made it. Put it that way. Where where are you on that, Brad? Because I think there are some people that just want to have the best of both worlds there, uh, and and get and get a young receiver or, or whatever, and simultaneously, you know, not have to give up one of these corners because there's a there's a fear of you know some injury stuff, and uh, which yeah. is understandable. But again, you can't. You can't go into this planning on injuries, right? You know, like, okay, say say Ward gets injured, he misses four games. <laughs> you know, like it's like they're replacing four games. I'd rather have a receiver for an eighteen game schedule, game schedule. You know what I mean?
2: Yeah, I mean you can you can book uh, Ward for missing four games right now uh, that next it's year. Been so, the pattern. It's uh, been the pattern. you know, either way, like, listen, I'm I'm with you. So, I feel so like. With defensive tackle, that's obviously like interior defensive line and edge are like, okay, priority one or 1A. But the other one is, for me, you have to add a third dynamic receiver, somebody that can stress defenses vertically and not just like a one-trick pony type guy, Jake. You need a guy that can, you know, we're looking at more 11 personnel, but like a guy that uh, can work in the intermediate, work in the short game, uh, and still be that deep threat. Like a real stud, dynamic receiver, Elijah Moore, Cooks, Hopkins, just kind of doesn't fit that mold, but he's so good it doesn't matter, right? So Mm -hmm. any of those guys... I am willing to deal from a position of strength, and I would point to, like, the Chiefs, right? Like, so look at the Chiefs' uh, secondary in the uh, AFC Championship, right? Like, filled with rookies, right? Uh, I think they had, like, three rookies in their secondary. Uh, They had McDuffie, and they had the kid from Cincinnati at safety. Uh, So, like, I'm not saying, like— the Browns have three really good corners, and I truly believe that. Uh, but I think you can move off of one, and the one that I would move off of probably would be Newsome because of, I don't know, that's, I like Emerson so much, I think, and I don't think you can move Ward. The compensation would have to be different because of his contract. So if you're going to move off of one, it makes sense that it would be Newsome. Um, And I would do it if the if the receiver you're getting back was a Jerry Judy and Elijah Moore, somebody like that, that completes that that three, that third wide receiver that makes this offense, you know what it takes it to like the ceiling, like max uh, potential uh, cannot be achieved until they get that third guy, in my opinion, Jake.
1: I'm with you. I've been spe- I've been speaking a lot of the same things. I, I I understand why they want to avoid. We talked about all the 10 million APY contracts they currently have on offense, and it's a it's a cluster, and there's a lot. And you you really do as much as you want to say they're all in, and I I believe they're all in. I I like I really do, but I also think you have to you certainly have to weigh. You can only push in the chip so much without really devastating everything. And right now, like they're talking about seven contracts on offense that are currently set to make 10 million or more. You're hamstring yourself in a lot of different places and it just it just makes it a challenge. And it makes it a challenge. And I don't know that there's an easy answer there unless they were to move off of like Wyatt Teller, right? Or something along those lines. So that that that's the tricky part to me is is there's there's balancing your budget a little bit here while also understanding the nature of going all in. So I could see the lean, like we would prefer a guy on a rookie contract who can also play, which I think everybody wants rookie contract guys who can play. They're trying to, trying to draft one, right? And this is a good yeah. question again from Fumble, right? Wide receiver DT. I'm early in the draft study process, man. Some of these guys get months head start. I can't write on the Browns and cover them the way I want to while simultaneously watching college film. It's 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 literally it's impossible. So I don't get into it till after the season. And what I like about me being able to do the daily mocks this year is it is exposing me to a lot of different players I have not necessarily uh, at this point would have known right in years past because steven was doing it for us last year and crushing it and all that stuff and um it's just it's been good for me to get to know a bunch of players at this point how i view it those are the two positions to me and i think you can certainly throw edge in there too there's going to be a bunch of talented like the, the the thing that's interesting to me is i went into the study thinking that wide receiver at 42 would be I wouldn't be interested in wide receiver so much at 42. I just didn't think that would be – I didn't think there'd be a good match. It's not a top-heavy cl- – what I've learned, the wide receiver class is not as top-heavy as the last two, which were loaded at the top of those drafts. Yeah. But I do think there's some great value wide receivers at 42. You're talking about Rasheed Rice from SMU. You're talking about Jalen Hyatt from Tennessee who won the Bolitnikoff. You're talking about Tyler Scott, the kid that I really love, um, really, really love out of Cincinnati. There are a bunch of guys that I think are very intriguing prospects at 42 to the point that, again, like, I thought this was going to be a group I wanted to steer away from, but I'm, like, very interested in wide receiver 42. But on the flip side, defensive tackle, like Javon Dexter types and Byron Young types, like, there are some really interesting DTs at 42 that could be available, right? See uh, Siaki Aiki, the kid out of Baylor, could drop out of the first round, potentially be there as well, Big big nose guard type. Like, the list kind of goes on and on. And Edge, obviously, there's some guys, like, there's some people that think uh, B.J. Ojolari is going to fall from LSU out of the first round into the second. There's a bunch of guys: Tuli uh, Tuliopa, um, Tuli Tua, Tula Polota. I think I, I got to get it right. I'll nail it at some point. But Tuli's fun. Like he's got inside out flex, and you know we Tuli uh, right. There, there's a bunch of the USC kid. There's a bunch of really fascinating options. Like Auburn has some inside out, and I, I'm looking at this defense and I'm trying to like analyze it from what Schwartz likes these big. Edge players, right? That's what they had success with. Are edge players who can be defensive um, end, run game fit players, really good? More run, more run stop than than uh, like Mario Edwards types, guys who can set the edge and really be dynamic run game defenders. Um, on top of what they do, getting after the passer a little bit, but that's how they they had the league's best defensive line in terms of stopping the run like they were they were dynamic stopping the run I think there's some guys they're probably going to go out and try to find those types right I think Alex Wright can do some of those things but they they're certainly going to be in the market for draftable players and again at 42 and 99 there's options so what I'm saying is and I feel like I've said it for a a little while now like back when the Jedrick Wills pick was made I thought the tackle what 10 was a perfect fit at the spot they needed a player and it was a perfect spot to be picking there I think that uh, the, the cornerback they took spot with Newsom between him and there was the kid out of Virginia Tech, Caleb Farley, was kind of floating around at that spot. Like, again, it was the perfect here's what we need, here's where we're picking, we can find it. I think this draft has a really nice chance to have a wide receiver DT or edge that's there at 42. So while they traded out of last year's second round pick, I think that they, even though they go 42 to 98 or 99, depending on where those things end up shaking out. I think that's a huge fall off. That sucks to only get two top 100 picks. I do think 42 is going to be made this year. That's my hunch. 42 will get made as they try to really get a player they think can make an impact on them right away. Because it's tough to go. It's tough to go two years without a player that can really come in. And you got lucky. Martin Emerson came in third round and he made an impact, but that's not, that's not a normal thing. Just kind of leaving it at that, Brad, I don't know what you think early on looking at this thing, but it's nice that those three positions are a really nice fit in this draft, in my opinion.
2: Yeah, first impressions would be, you know, and and I've talked to you about this before. First impressions would be at forty two. I would rather go wide receiver because I feel like, you know, if we're truly in an all in, uh, or chips in kind of scenario, I think you can get more contribution from a wide receiver at 42 than maybe a defensive tackle or edge who takes some time to fill into those roles and generally we talked about this before on a, a recent show we did where defensive line players just take a little bit longer in the nfl mm-hmm. to transition um i do I, I wanted to ask you what do you think of like the kid from ohio state zach uh, was it harrison uh, as yeah, an athletic edge.
1: as hell, athletic as hell. He's gonna test out of this world. I don't like his bend. I don't think he's as flexible around the corners. You, I actually think he's got a lot of Jadevian Clowney to him. I really do. Yeah. In terms of he doesn't play quite as physical, and I do think he has more natural pass rush feel than Clowney. The I think his ceiling to to get there. Clowney came in a more refined player, but I think his ceiling to get to the places that they hoped Clowney could get to are 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 at least in my opinion higher. So like. I don't know if that does. I don't know if that makes sense. Like Clowney's the first yeah. pick in the draft. He's obviously was a guy people loved and he had really great moments early on in his career. Um, but I think his pass rushing potential was never reached. I think Harrison has the same level of pass rush potential. Does he get there? I don't know. But he is a like I said, look at his testing when it when it when it comes to fruition. It's going to be it's going to be kind of crazy because he was a he was a phenomenal athlete here in central Ohio at tangy Orange like he could he's he's ridiculous runner like his- um, leaper all that stuff man but I think Philly made a good point there about like I I kind of noted the wide receivers but I didn't dig in too deep there's a bunch of there's not I think a bunch of dominant separators uh, diverse route tree separators but there's guys like li- listed there Josh Downs um, Zay Flowers those are like the slot separator guys who are very twitchy are, are all over this draft. Like if those guys fall out and even Jackson Smith and Jigba is a slot guy who's a, na- a natural separator from a route tree, like the slot stuff that I think the Browns need a dynamic slot player, they could get one of those guys to land in their lap. And if not, we also talk about they need somebody who can run and like Tyler Scott, Jalen Hyatt, those guys can run the kid uh, Dell. What's his name? Um, Tank, the, 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 the Houston wide receivers name is slipping my mind at this moment. He's older. But I certainly think he could be in play if they really want that type of player. Um, he's had a really nice run of it there at Houston. So think like they need either a slot who can create separation and get a bunch of first downs for you, or you need a guy who can lift the lid and run and break cushions and get open deep. And those are the two types that are sitting there. There's not a dominant X receiver here, not that I see. But again, it's weird. Like This is what they need, and this is kind of what's going to be available. And that's it's kind of a beautiful thing, if you ask me.
2: Yeah, what's the story with this kid from LSU, Kayshawn Bout? Boutte, Kayshawn, right? Um. Butte. Yeah,
1: really weird last name. I, I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't think he's as gifted as some of the people try to correlate him to. I don't okay. think he's as uh, – uh, he's a little stiffer in the hips. I don't see a bunch of um, route diversity that I like, and he had a lot of focus drops at LSU. So, I mean, he's he's good. He's good. I mean, he's going to get picked in the top 60 picks. He could certainly okay. be there at 60. I just – There's some stuff that went on mentally with that LSU situation where he was leaving the program and then he wasn't. And like he declared and then he didn't declare. And it was a really strange scenario there that happened for him. His tape has some great stuff in it, but you also can see where he ran into issues, the drops, the mental stuff that I've heard about his inability to stay locked in um, and and continually, if he's not getting the football, he fades out and, comes a non-fact so there's just some stuff there um but again yeah, you're picking in the you're picking the second round that that's the type you're not not getting a refined product all the time but i just think there are some guys in that second round that i'd prefer are more than him that i just yeah, yeah just prefer more
2: you know uh, the, i wonder about his medicals you know he got hurt in 21 but he did play again in 22 so i think he kind of answered some of those questions but there may be some off the field stuff there too i think um but he i, I he's intriguing at, at least um mm-hmm uh potentially there and, and when i was asking about harrison does he fall to the 90s no
1: it's possible you, n- you never know i think he's going to test too well to be there but if people don't love his tape it's a large edge class i don't know what dane has him graded at i think he has him inside of his top 10 at the position but again it's what do you want and where is it? Could the Browns trade up? They've traded up in the second, third rounds before, swapped a pick here and there, and moved up. So could the Browns get up into the 80s for him? I think that's entirely possible. So um, a lot, a lot of options, Brad. I think again, there's we're early in the study of this whole thing, and there's a lot more tape to break down. And certainly the big thing we're missing above all else, the Senior Bowl will help, but we're missing the the the, the athletic scores which we need to know. So mm-hmm. um, there, there's that. But yeah, I think there's. There's just a, such a lovely mesh of what I think they need in the positions and what should be available for them at 42, and then uh, in the 99 it gets a little dicey. 98 because oh, it's kind of it's just tough to know what's gonna be there at that uh, that late you know, and the cl- kind of creeping up on the 100th pick. The Browns get a bunch of those picks right away. They go like 199, 110, and 126. I forget. I don't know their number picks. I should. I do the damn thing every day. I should know those picks off the top of my head but they get they get a bunch of picks from 99 to 126 i think like three picks in there so some of you probably know that better than i do at this moment i'm spacing out a little bit but anyway a lot of picks hey. man and they should be able to to get some talents uh that, that can help them this year
2: real quick uh mm-hmm. so paul spencer noted in here when we were talking about dealing from a position of strength here at corner um that you run with q uh and uh Quincy and said they noted that uh he would prefer to give up Emerson over Newsom. I Thoughts would I that? I
1: think I think I can understand why some people would want to keep Martin because he's a different body type. I think Yeah. I think Newsom's just a more refined player. His rookie tape was better. Okay. It was just better and I think he can do the challenging role that Ward can do where he's the solo backside one-on-one even when it's quarters he can do that role as well and that's like we get blinded a little bit because he was in the slot this year and I thought out of position but he yeah. can do that stuff like he's he he's certainly more than capable I think again as far as secondary roles go what Emerson did is the the, the farthest away from the ball um, field corner is the is the least it's still challenging but it's the least challenging in terms of re- or, you know uh, processing speed twitchiness all of that so I would prefer. Just again, just me personally. Not that I'm guaranteed to be right here, but I would prefer to keep him and give up Emerson. Partly because I've I've seen what Newsom and I feel I have a better understanding of what Newsom is long term than Emerson, who had a nice rookie year, but you know, pick on uh people can pinpoint you know year two. Who knows if year two will be as good as year one? And then we're having a discussion around you know. Is it a one year wonder thing? I, I, don't, I don't think you go wrong, though, Brad. Like, I don't, I don't, there's, there's positives of both. I just, me personally, I would prefer, and you get the fifth year option of Newsom, which matters it's a great you know, point. to keep him around for another year. So that's just my thought on it. But again, I don't think like someone who says, I'd rather keep Emmerich, I don't think that's a stupid answer. I think that's just, just, just fine. And if that's what they ended up doing, I could see why they would go that route.
2: So, um, yeah, I'd, I'd have anyway. to think about it. You know, uh, he, he, makes a good point here you know paul does in chat you know certainly you throw out the numbers this year and if you remember i i had an issue with them moving him to the slot from the start uh i didn't think this was a good idea and it didn't work out well so um and i've written about it a number of times so you know i don't know how schwartz is going to handle that uh but moving one of those guys kind of solves that problem if you're gonna keep Newsom, uh you can certainly you know he can move inside in a time of necessity, but he clearly wants to be outside, right? Like, mm-hmm. and he wants to get paid, and I keep, can't blame him because the, I mean, a, a slot corner makes one fourth of what an outside corner makes in the NFL. And I so.
1: and I just think he's better at it. than he, The slot stuff is hard, man. Yeah, like you got to be, you got to be a real grinder to to play the slot. Like it, it is being involved in run fits all the time is, is literally the least enjoyable part of being a corner It's miserable. And I thought by the end of the year, like you could see this guy was worn down with being involved in, and in slinging into run fits and stuff. Like I'm not, he's like, I'm not trying to defend the sea gap when there's a, you know, pulling guard crap. Like it's sure. just not fun. It's a, you take a beating and, and like, that's why you can't get every guy to play in the slot because what defenses ask of them is tough. It's tough, man. So I get it. Um, I didn't see any more questions, so let's um, let's shift over and kind of wrap this thing up with our thought on linebacker performance this year, and then specials as well.
0: We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data
1: I would say, Brad, obviously, with the the way linebackers closed the year, uh, so many injuries at that position, you know, like it's it was it's <laughs> I, can't, I can't even go through it. It's insanity. But I thought collectively as a group, as we always analyze them, they had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine guys play play um, s- some snaps this year. That's pretty nuts to have that many guys, that a team that usually only has two linebackers on the field in general. Ends up with nine guys playing real snaps for them at the position, but I thought as a group, um, the the DBs and and I, I, with with Quincy yesterday when I spoke on them and then with you and the D line, those were both below expectations groups. I thought this group was actually at about what I expected them to be. Wouldn't be over, but I thought that they performed. Let me put it that way: against the challenges they faced, there there were certainly times where like. What on earth is Jacob Phillips doing? They they weren't great, but I thought I thought they were. And JOK had some moments, too. Don't get it twisted. But I thought they were, for what they faced challenges-wise, uh, about it an expectation level
2: for for what we could have hoped for. Do you think I'm wrong, do you, or do you want them below? No. Listen, I think, if anything it's hard to say. It's almost like you have to split it and evaluate it in like a couple of different sections. If you're really doing like, you know, like, cause Hey, a- as a group, I would say probably at expectation, maybe a little bit lower. Cause just the run defense was so God awful. Right. But like, mm. I-, I understand that like some of these guys played over their heads and were thrown into tough positions, at, you know, when they were asked to, when they really got into their depth, uh, some of these guys stepped up and played well. Like, Taki Taki stepped up and played really well before he got hurt. Uh, And uh, there was some some of that stuff that you could say, hey, this guy was better than expected.
1: Yeah, I think so, too. I think so, too. And collectively, I just didn't think the linebackers were the biggest issue. Most of the time, I thought they were having a really hard time getting any help from the people playing in front of them. And then, obviously, trying to play pass coverage based on a lot of run fit stuff is really challenging for them. Now, what Schwartz is able to do, with this group and how they reshape it is going to be pretty fascinating to watch because they need the group to be better than it even was. We'll go through each one real quick as we always do. Um, So we'll just go down the line. Jok Defensively 41 tackles in the run game, 41 tackles, 12 assists. Let's just, let's look at the whole thing here. I think that's probably better than split it up. Um, Kind of looking at pro football focus for grades, but also kind of talking through our film, at least from, uh, I'm talking through film thoughts as well. So for the year, JOK, 59 tackles. He ended up grading out a little lower than he did last year, I think across the board. So his collective grade last year was a 76, five, 78. seven run defense, 70.3 rush coverage was a 67.4. The coverage bumped up a little this year, but the run defense went down to 58, eight and 64.4 for the season. So he played actually a pretty similar number of stats. I mean, only, 50 more total snaps last year He actually played 35 more run defense snaps this year so he had 59 tackles this year to 57 last year pretty much the same across the board the missed tackle percentage went down some but it's still too high at 15 missed last year 13 missed this year 36 stop tackles to 34 so really fairly consistent across the board it's interesting that they graded him as this significantly worse defender i think that largely is indicative of the Browns run defense collectively is a problem, right? So right. they 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 all get kind of docked in the grade department. But, I mean, he's, if you look at his stats last year to this year, pretty consistent. Actually, Brad, the consistency is amazing. He gave up 26 receptions on 35 times targeted in the past game last year. He had identical numbers this year. Same, same thing. He actually ended up giving, though, 9.7 yards per reception to 6.5. He gave up three touchdowns as accredited for this year to one. The year before, he only had two pass breakups to four last year, but he somehow has a better coverage grade. So, again, mysteries of the grading world. But, but, um, yeah,
2: what did yeah. you, I mean, you've watched that you evaluate the tape on this stuff, right? Like, did you think he took a step forward in his? Seconds? I wouldn't say forward. I, I right. wouldn't
1: say forward. I think the circumstances around him were really rough made it tough. And, and it yeah. made it hard to take a step forward, but he didn't himself have some overcoming uh ability so i don't think jok gets an above x exp- but i think he was i wouldn't say he was below but i certainly wouldn't say he um made a bunch of strides and was not an above x exp- but he was about on the low end of what i expected him to be i was hoping he would take a jump this year yeah but it didn't happen and again i think it was hard for many people in this defense to take a jump especially sure. when their position depends on other people you know you can play corner and really have nobody impact you because it's all you it's mostly you making the, 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 the coverage happen and um, all that stuff. But when you're playing linebacker, you're, you're needing help from your guys up front and uh, there's some of that stuff. And I just, I just don't, I still saw some flash plays from him. To be honest, the, the flash plays were still there, not as Always. many, yeah, but they were there, but not as consistent as he needed to be. So I'm still very excited about his, his ceiling, but I think he was just only an ad expectation player for me this year.
2: Yeah, I agree. I mean, he's always going to flash. He's a spectacular athlete. He, uh, you know, the way that he goes about, you know, getting through, uh, blocks and getting around blocks is always, uh, creative and flashy and, and, you know, he just, uh, he's an exciting player, but like you said, he didn't obviously the atmosphere was not conducive for him to make a a nice jump into a better player right in his second year Mm -hmm. certainly not this year so it's hard to blame him all for that but like you said you were kind of hoping that he would take another step forward
1: yeah definitely was hoping didn't happen we can see what happens with the new defense i think there's some exciting um reasons to be excited there next down the line jacob phillips played in seven games 320 snaps the grades were terrible below 40 in both run defense and overall. I'm not ready to give up on him. 32 tackles this year. Um, you know, I, he's going to be around another year. They could cut him, but I think he's going to be around one more year of his rookie contract. He had a much better grades last year where I thought he started to come on when he, when he played late in the year. But again, he dealt with the elbow ligament injury last year, this year, as I don't even remember what, what happened to him. Maybe somebody in the chat does, but I can't remember what happened, but he misses a significant – I mean, three straight years where he's missed a significant number of snaps. 32 tackles is a career high, 12 assists, and six, um, 17 stop tackles, all career highs. But, again, the most snaps he's played, not by a ton, 244 is rookie year, 320 this year. 13 of 18, 172 in coverage, had one pass breakup. The thing that's tough is missing so much time in three years, so many injuries – he de- He definitely looks lost when trying. He doesn't look as comfortable as I'd like him to be in coverage, feeling out what route combinations are coming. I have very low expectations moving forward for Jacob. I had high expectations coming into the year that he could really put something together. Uh, but I, I think he was a below average player, and I don't think there's really any room for a, a discussion otherwise, at least not in my opinion. What do you think?
2: No, I totally agree. He was below average. He's been disappointing. Uh it was a pectoral this year. Mm, um right. his, his injury. So, uh you know it's hard not to give up on him because he just does like when you watch him and and I try I watched him probably more closely than I watched any other linebacker because I thought that like he could take, you know, he could be something and he just like he overruns everything. He overpursues everything. He takes bad angles. You know, he the one thing he does is he he does tackle decently, right? Like he wraps up pretty well sometimes. But like he just boxes himself out of plays, and and you know what I mean. he, he just his pursuit to the ball is just a struggle always.
1: Yeah, a lot of those little things, right? Taking on things with the right shoulder, reading the right guard, uh, understanding how a scheme unfolds. It's um, it's not good enough. He's a rotational backup player right now. I think we can all agree that JOK should be on the field in some form or fashion. Now, the role at which JOK is on the field, you can certainly argue could be different, but JOK is there some way, somehow, and then you would like a more traditional Mike Linebacker who can handle the run game stuff, punch out. You know, we all want quality like like linebacker play without ended up either paying them too much or um, forking out too good of a pick. Right, that part of it sucks, but they they need to figure this out now. That could be bringing Walker back, right? So Phillips is well below. Um, and who knows if they end up? It seems like they'll probably keep him around for one more year, but who knows? Walker only played in three games, so it's challenging um, with him because you, you really liked those three games when you looked only 120 snaps, but boy, he was, he was playing really well. I mean, he had first two games there were graded 73 and 91 and then gets hurt in the middle of that Pittsburgh game. But again, I like him. I think he, he has a lot of that leadership people crave at the position, first of all. And then obviously on top of that, um, when he's, when he's right and healthy and he has been healthy for most of his career, this is the first season he's had outside of his rookie year below 700 snaps you know you you see a lot of why people love him and i think that he can come back on a cheap contract i'm interested in bringing him back i thought he was it's hard to say whether he was above or below or we'll just say he was about as expected based on the short sample size but i'm certainly interested in bringing him back i don't know where you stand on that
2: i would love to bring him back i think he's a he is what they need as a leader and i think their you know their defense changed immensely when he was gone so i mean i would almost say Uh, above in the short sample size it's hard to say but like it felt like he was playing the best football of his career maybe for the for the three games we got yeah
1: it's hard to disagree I thought he had moments real moments in coverage that were very impactful so I I do hope he gets to come back and works out because if if, I would hate to have his last play in Brown's uniform be the belly flop from that ridiculous uh, Pittsburgh Steelers lineman I can't remember who it was jumping on him that part of it sucked but anyway um sure. we hope we hope Walt comes back um talkie talkie again when can kentucky come back i don't know yeah. um at least a year you're talking around week 13 14 of the i mean i would like to keep him here in some form or fashion have him around because he's a he's a damn good sam who proved this year i mean it's pretty safe to say for me he was an above expectation player getting real snaps that mattered on the inside he had 43 tackles Twelve assists, only six missed tackles, twenty-one stop tackles. You, I, there's a lot to like with Talky. Consistently graded, pretty pretty steady. Sixty-seven point five the two years before this year, sixty-seven point seven this year. And I just think he's an above-average linebacker. He's not a great coverage guy, but I think he's okay. And he's gotten better as his time in the NFL, the more exposure he's had. He he's a he's a grinder. He works hard. Teammates like him. Like I, I would love to have Talk back. It's a shame that he tore that ACL the way he did. Um, but, but I'd love to have him back and you'd hope that they could find some way to keep him around back after the injury. Cause he's just a nice depth player, good special teams guy. And again, to me, proving he could be a, a real linebacker for them. Um, maybe not great, but just good enough like that, that proving he could be a three down guy was way above what I was expecting. So that part yeah. of it was great, man.
2: Yeah, that was huge. And he was, uh, a bright spot. Um, he seems like he would fit Schwartz's kind of type of linebacker a little bit too, uh, mm-hmm. with, you know, having a little bit of a bigger guy there maybe, uh, although he did, you know, he commented about that in his presser, but, uh, traditionally he's had bigger linebackers. Um, so, but Taki Taki, uh, I'm, I don't know. How do you keep him around is the question, right? Like, can because nobody else is going to want him maybe because of the injury or or doesn't want to wait that out maybe you can get him uh, on a cheap uh two-year deal or something like that where the second year becomes somehow beneficial to you to have him to wait that that out i don't know i hope i mean I, I, that contractor
1: whatever happens with him and wherever he ends up is going to be one of the more fascinating plots of this linebacker room sure. but sure yeah, because how you keep him and how you you know he's going to be on injured reserve for most of the season, um, and and I don't know where he goes, you know, what the time frame is for recovery for that. I don't know. There's so much unknown, but I I do hope they find a way to keep him. Put it that way, because I think for the budget dollar, it should be a pretty good contract for the Browns, and I think it could work out really well for them. And 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 I, and Taki too, where he's he's got some real opportunity here that maybe other places don't don't necessarily present. Um, so pulling for that to, to work itself out. Other linebackers, I mean, these are uh, – we'll spend some time here on Tony Fields, um, but then I think there's three others. Yeah, we'll we'll just talk about Tony Fields and Jordan Kunizic real quick because they, they did get some serious time, and I guess we got to talk about Deion Jones. This is a loaded group. Um, lots of guys. Lots of guys. Tony Fields ends up with 276 snaps, plays more late in the year. Has a nice game against the Texans. Obviously, his best game of the season. He was really well graded in that one. He played a lot of snaps. Played a lot of snaps week 16, 17, 18. Some okay results. Ended up with 36 tackles, 10 assists, 3 missed, 14 stop tackles. Gave up 58 yards in coverage. Did have an interception that one he took back to the house off of that screen pass tipped ball. But, I mean, I like Fields. I actually think there's a nice – there's. I actually think if they brought most of these guys back, there's some healthy competition here, Brad. I think Fields got better as the year wore on, and he certainly looked like there were times where I was like, "Is this guy an NFL player?" Period. Um, and that that that's something you never want to think about. But I actually think there is something here with him. I, I I liked how he was deciphering schemes by the end of the whole season, and the more exposure he got, and I thought he had some games. The Washington game, he was pretty good in that one too. And um, I I want to see more of Tony Fields, so I, I expect him to be around in the third. Sorry, this is yeah because he was hurt his entire rookie year. He'll be back in the third year of his uh, rookie deal. I, I think there's something there, and he's a good special teams guy for him, too.
2: Yeah, I mean, he contributes in special teams. Uh, you know, I, I thought he flashed a couple times when they gave him the opportunity to blitz a little bit because he kind of show off that speed and get downhill and stuff. I didn't think he was great, um, but he, you know, certainly he'll be in camp and and, and uh, compete, right? Uh, mm-hmm. So that's kind of yeah. it, right? I was kind of eh on him um it, it sounds like you see more potential there um, yeah i
1: mean i think he had some moments again it's hard to really know with what their group was playing in front of him but i but i like fields to the point that i i hope he's around again he's gonna be i would be it'd be hard you got to keep some of these rookie contracts around got you have um, to, yeah jordan kunizic is next he he ended up getting some decent snaps in 14 15 16 about as expected eight tackles five assists three miss three stop tackles um, more special teams guy than anything. They seem to like him. He he's, he lasted most of the year on specials. I don't know how many special team snaps he had in total. He played in, yeah, he played a ton, 316 special team snaps. So as far as like he'll be fighting for a fringe roster spot, but I certainly think that he will have you'll have a chance, right?
2: Yeah, another guy that you have back, right? He's uh, is he under contract? I don't know if he is.
1: Actually, I don't know. I really, I I have not looked past it. I would imagine not. They would have to do some sort of one-year vet yeah, man I, or, or or, an ex, some I, sort of a natural number that he would get based on his experience in the NFL, but I'm not sure.
2: No, he's not under contract. He'll be a free agent. Um, and uh, yeah, so unrestricted. He's 26. Probably have him back if he can, right? at least fighting practice squad around.
1: Yeah. So, yeah, I think that's a chance. The only other one that really matters, I mean, there's two veterans here, Deion Jones and Reggie Ragland. Um, it seems like people it's... like Reggie Ragland a little bit. Played four games, 68 snaps. I don't know what they thought of him internally. He had a really great game grade, 91.7 against New Orleans. He played meaningful snaps in weeks 16 and 17. He played 33 and then 24 graded fine he ended up with eight tackles six assists three stop tackles on the year not much to go on here but he's he's not going to be 30 until in season next season so um you know i mean maybe they keep him around and see if he can make the roster or something of the sort i'm not sure there's much of a future but he had a nice game against new orleans where he was really filling, you know fitting in the run and playing that game well but again that's a game where you expect a team to run a lot so it's not as challenging you know what i mean
2: Yes, small sample size. Bigger, big linebacker, right? Uh, so uh, it'll be interesting to see what they want to do with him. I, I, I kind of just throw my kind of hands up and be like, eh, we'll see." Yeah, I don't know. Yeah,
1: some of these guys are very shrug your shoulders, and we'll see. Deion Jones feels like they're going to move on. It was, it was, a it was a one year situation. They brought him in. He only had one game grade where it was above decent. It was at Cincinnati, week fourteen. He had a seventy eight point seven. Because in that game, he had a pass breakup and an interception. It was off of a tipped ball. Um, but he ended up giving up two, 20 of 28 targets for catches, 198, 29 tackles, 11 assisted, seven missed tackles for a 14.9% number there. He had 16 stop tackles. Dion's going to be, he's probably going to be turning 29 in November. So he's not old, old, but the last two years have been significantly dropped off in grades. Um and i i just saw a guy whose shoulder looks like it's not right and i and i think it leads to um some issues in how he's playing put it that way like the way he favors it and the way he goes about the position i think he's hit that that veteran drop off and i i really don't think he'll be back i don't know what you think but i don't i don't really see a path forward with him
2: yeah i felt like he put forth a valiant effort but like you said uh there was a reason the browns were able to acquire him like they were um and uh, i think that showed up uh in his play at times as well here
0: yeah
1: so under expectation for me the expectations weren't high but it wasn't it was an under expectation performance because you were hoping you could get some sort of version of that old dion jones back and you you didn't get it so um that's it that's everybody that played linebacker the outlook for this year is you know guys that are locks i think philip is close phillips is close just because of the rookie deal fields too then it's uh, JOK's a lock for sure. Then it's guys who are kind of on the fringe, Anthony Walker, that you want to bring back. Could they bring back Taki Taki? There's two guys there that you got to make a decision on, Brad. I mean, I don't know. I want to draft one late. I like late linebackers that are young and can run and yeah, big part of your special teams and cheap contracts. So I think that they're probably going to bring back the three that I mentioned. Then you're talking about a fourth and fifth is talky talky one of them. And then do you draft one or Walker? I don't know. It's not, it's possible they could not draft one at all, but um, there's just some really fun late linebackers in this draft. And um, I have this feeling that they're going to move on from one of Walker talky talky, but they could also move on from Phillips, you know, who has not been able to prove he's uh, been healthy at all. But that, that's kind of the three that I could see them moving on from. I, I think they're going to keep at least again, this is just at least my opinion Fields showed me enough that they keep him around another year on the third year of a rookie contract. And then obviously JOK is an important cog in this defensive machine. So those two feel like locks, but those other three I mentioned are certainly players that they could float around moving off of or not resigning, but that's just i I don't know that they're big. Do you expect them to be big players at all in linebacker free agency? I know like TJ Edwards, who's a big part of Schwartz defenses that they're late. I don't, I don't, I don't really expect that,
2: but, but I I guess they could. It would surprise me. Um, I, this feels like I, listen, I don't know what Anthony Walker's medicals are. I wish I did, but like when he's going to be ready to play again and, and like, is he going to be able to contribute all of camp? Do we have an idea on that? Like
1: not that I know of, I don't yeah. know. I mean, it was a quad tear, right? It was relatively yeah. early in the season. So that helps.
2: Cause, cause that matters, right? Like, so, mm-hmm. you know, if he's healthy i'm cool with bringing him back and then maybe drafting like i you know in the one mock that i did for your your article i i took the uh converted safety to linebacker from purdue i forget his name now Mm -hmm. uh but like you said there's some fun guys uh late in the draft that could contribute to this room i don't think it would be hard to draft somebody late and have them contribute to this room uh to to be honest so uh i don't see them spending there, there is much more pressing areas uh, t- to adge- address on this roster than linebacker because I think the guys that you have, if it's JOKA walk and and uh, uh, like you said, um, uh, what's his name, a Tony Fields, mm-hmm. uh, and then whoever else you decide to keep around. Um, from this group i think it's okay if you address the defensive tackle room
1: yeah i'm with it okay yeah linebackers got a lot of peculiar decisions i don't think they're decisions that are going to swing the season type decisions mm. but right. um decisions nonetheless that we'll, we'll see where schwartz values certain players when he comes in we're going to close real quick with 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 what we thought of the group's uh specials and really that's just kicking and punting corby orquez um because you know, I thought Jerome Ford was a—I a, will say the the one, the the two returners, Donovan Peoples-Jones, pleasant surprise punt returner above expectation for me. Taking one back, started to look really comfortable with it. And I don't know if he keeps doing that. I know Jalen Darden had some at the end of the year, and you probably don't want your number two receiver to be your guy uh, returning punts all the time. But Definitely there was not. some above expectation performance there that I thought, okay, Donovan looks really comfortable doing this. So maybe they try to get away from that. Jakeem Grant comes back. They use Jakeem another They you know, keep him around another year. I don't know. They like Darden cheap. Maybe they go that route. There's a lot of, there's a lot of swing potential there uh, in terms of what decision they could ultimately make, but um, he was good. And then I thought Jerome Ford was a a delightful surprise in that regard too. I don't know what you thought as a kick returner when we didn't really know what on earth they were going to do at kick, kick return game. I thought he ended up being pretty good at that. I don't know where they were according to their peers. Um, I can look at this real quick, try to get a gauge on um, around the league where he ended up being as a kick returner. Um, Jerome Ford ended up 15th in kick return return grade. So that's to me pretty solid, right? Donovan Peoples Jones and kick returns um, um, actually as a, as a all around returner, Donovan Peoples Jones ended up um, actually his 86.8 for DPJ on 18 returns, Brad best in league. That's great by far. 78.3 is the next highest. One of only three punt returns to happen for a touchdown all year. And then um, his 12.4 wow. yards per attempt was uh, good for seventh. So I think that's well above expectation, right? That's pretty, yeah. pretty dang good. And then uh, J- Jerome Ford ended up 16th as far as grade goes in uh, kick returns yards per yards per return uh, filtering down to the number of returns. Um, pretty dang good. Pretty dang yeah, he good, did,
2: man. He did a nice job. I thought Ford did, uh, obviously DPJ did a really good job, but Ford did a nice job. Sometimes Ford ended up with
1: the fourth most, uh, kick return yards in the league this year.
2: Yeah, I, I think That's he took, good. uh, <laughs> if they had a better special teams coach, maybe they would teach him not to take it out like six yards deep. Sometimes <laughs> that doesn't help yeah. him a ton, yeah. but, uh, uh, you know, besides that, I don't have a lot of complaints, you know, really, he's an intriguing guy this off season. Uh, when you talk about him individually, not so much special teams, but you know how he can fill in that, uh, you know, is he going to be the backup to Nick Chubb, and can he, you know, be a third down back at times when they need him to and stuff like that. I hope that he can.
1: Yeah, me too. I'm with you on that. Um, so yeah, the, both of those guys are above, uh, above expectation for me. We'll see. Like I said, big, big decisions to be made there at that position, whether they, Jakeem Grant comes and takes it or Jalen Darden ends up doing more. I don't know. Punting Bjorkwes ends up 11th with the 11th highest overall grade 71.9. His yards per attempt, uh, 10th overall, his net ends up not being as good as it needed to be. That was 27th and that's indicative of the special teams group in general, but also he had some low liners mixed in there too that weren't great. Um, he was 19th in punts uh, inside the 20, with 27 of those. So, I would say he was what I expected him to be, toward tilting toward the high end of that. Needs to have more consistent hang time, especially when punting from down in his near his end zone. Right to think about the Ravens game at Baltimore, where that really hurt you. He had a lull in there mid season where I just didn't think he punted very well. Let me see if the stats from his individual page back that up yeah, that, that mid lull he had was not very good uh, at Baltimore and some of the others, but um, I thought Bjorkquez was about what I expected him to be, and that's good after what we saw from the punters the uh, last few years, right?
2: Yeah, I thought he was good, uh, you know, and he was expected to be good, like you said, so he was as expected, you know, uh, you went out and got a guy with good reputation and he did that, like you said, there were times where he could have done, you know, kicked the ball better and pins some teams deep in certain situations but you know they're not perfect so
1: yeah i was i was impressed i thought he was at the high end there almost above expectation if he mm-hmm. had a little bit better net and a little better um you know inside the 20 number you could probably bump him up but on the other side of that is kicker and again i thought cade york arrived with some very serious expectations fair or unfair uh you decide on that but i still think he ended up being below what we expected and i say i say this again If he just was missing kicks, close, just missed it, I think my opinion would be different. I think it really would because I know how hard that first year of kicking is and adjusting and how it all can be. Um, You know, again, Cameron Dicker, the UDFA, that got the uh, job with the the Chargers ended up missing that clutch kick they needed him to make in the playoff game, right, even though he had such a great run in the regular season. But anyway, like with Cade – obviously high expectations fair or unfair you decide but if you would have not had he had this shank problem he was missing some kicks terribly like just miss kicking them like miss kicking these things and that to me was really disappointing and like that's why i would put him down below what i expected because i didn't expect him to just have a striking issue and it popped up in some of his kickoffs like in the mid-season i i I watched special teams tape like a lunatic and in season (coughs) excuse me in season he had this issue at Buffalo. If you're a real weirdo and want to go back and watch this like I did, he had these first few kicks where he was doing a long run up and he, he he muffed them. He kicked these like line drive kicks that were almost swib kicks and he was getting frustrated and then they shortened his his approach to like a field goal walk up to it, like it's a jog up to kick. It's usually like an eight step. He did like a three step and he was he was kicking fine that way. But I'm like, this is these are weird issues for a kicker to be having. And like, yeah. AJ Feely talked about it through the year, about his issue with the plant foot. Like, um, so I again if he was I don't know what he ended up being collectively on the year he was 24 of 32, which isn't terrible on the surface, not great, obviously. Um, it ends up being a seventy-five percent average. Thirty-five of thirty-seven on PATs is pretty good. So it certainly could have been better, but it could have been worse. But I think the the nature of the misses were what was so jarring and concerning to me to put him at a below-average first year.
2: Yeah, that and then followed by the comments he made, right, mm-hmm. about blanking out and uh, just kind of the mental issues he was having um, was a little disturbing. And then, you know, he kicked better down the stretch after that, Jake, but they weren't like...
1: Yeah, it's not like he was crushing them down the middle.
2: Yeah. Like he squeaked a couple in, and I know the weather was tough too. But like it wasn't something that where it was like, oh man, yeah, he's he's stroking it now, and and you know, uh, I feel much better about him going forward. Uh, certainly, he's the guy um, yeah. coming into next year. But uh, uh, yeah, underperformed for sure.
1: Um, the thing again, the spot that was the most concerning to me. Was that he was nine of twelve? There were 18 kickers in the NFL this year who were perfect from 30 to 39. He missed three kicks the most in the NFL from that range, nine of twelve, that seventy-five percent number. Six Can't of eight from forty to forty-nine, and then four of seven from fifty plus. And again, that's like fifty plus, you know, again, he was twenty fifth there. The six of eight number and forty to forty nine ends up putting him twenty second. So not the worst in the league. But that thirty to thirty nine, I mean, you're kicking thirty to thirty nine yarders in the NFL. You got to make them. Like yep. you got to make them. You could you can accept one miss, but to have multiple shanks from that range is like and another one was blocked. It, it was again like just jarring to see a guy that talented missing that way. So again, his job to lose. Um, certainly, they'll probably have somebody kicking with him in camp. They did not have anyone kicking with him in camp last year, if you recall. So we'll see how he handles it, man. They need him to be the talented player that he is they they really need that badly from him so hopefully we end up seeing that brad but i think that wraps it up man that's everything you want to add about the specials or linebackers
2: no i, I you know i know he had a tough year but i kind of think he gets it figured out kate york he's too talented not to um i, I really mm-hmm. hope he does but i i kind of lean towards him getting it straightened out uh, i i will say this i'm surprised that the browns kept mike prefer um, I certainly understand that. I don't think I'm as
1: surprised per se. I, I would have totally understood moving on, but with the defense changes. And I think that I've kind of been vocal about the level of variance between special teams coaches, uh, and what, you know, that looks like. I'm just not, I'm not surprised, but I, I don't, I don't know that I'm, I'm disappointed. I think they could do better, put it that way Yes. than yes. this, but, but I, um, and I don't know, man. They, again, they had two tur- two returners that turned out to be uh, some pretty stellar seasons, and I think I can get why they would think like, yeah, maybe we don't need to turn over specials the same way we're turning over defense. I'm not sure, Brad. I think it's fair to feel that way, but um, yeah, I'm not. I'm not really like broken up about it. And I'm not saying you are. Oh, you're wrong for that. No. opinion, but but it's- um. It's yeah. just
2: like uh I guess if you're going to make, you know, if you're going to make the move on Joe Woods and why not make the move there too because I mean let's be honest his unit has had its blund- blunders all 3 years mm-hmm. uh a number of times and uh, it hasn't been great like even You know with the kicking and the getting kicks blocked and everything else the onside kick team and everything you know it's just been there's been issue after issue uh it's just not a tight operation over there i i think you're fair in having that opinion i would imagine
1: he's under the microscope um pretty closely this year so um you know maybe that means they change things there if things don't go well but I, the I, they're drawn the to him. He's, he's certainly drawn to him. Kevin is, and, and, and for, uh, to keep him around. I mean, the, people forget that he wasn't hired when Kevin was hired. He was already here. So they decided to, uh, keep him around and, is like uh, most special teams coaches. Sometimes they can be the cockroaches of the world and just keep yes, surviving can. tenure yeah. after tenure. So anyway, that wraps it up. Sorry that we had to do this at the end. I just wanted to get that in for the podcast listeners. Hopefully you enjoyed this mailback Tuesday, which I will try to continue to do in some form or fashion on Tuesdays, answering your questions. And if you get things uh, ahead of time, maybe I'll put out for OBR subscribers. If you want some specific questions answered or you want to um, you know, get your question for sure answered and you want to maybe look at a prospect, If you ask the insiders and tag me, we can maybe set that up, too. So plenty of things that we could add to this Tuesday session. Again, these are a little tricky because uh, there's just you're relying on the NFL for news. And and we're in the real oasis happens here where there's just not a ton of things going on um, league wide, you know, that we can we can especially about the Browns. So we'll do the best we can. So I appreciate you guys being here. Have a great uh, have a great Tuesday night, great Wednesday. Thanks to Brad, and thanks to the rest of the OBR guys who continue to put out some great content and shows and all that stuff. And for you guys, most importantly, we're hanging out. We do appreciate you being here. If we didn't get your question this week, come by next week on Tuesday. We'll try to get that one. Brad has his own All Eyes on Cleveland coming up Thursday where he will host his show on his own, bring on his own guests. So check that out on Thursday. OBR Weekly up tomorrow. Check that out uh, if you're a committed Twitch uh, or YouTube viewer. Again, appreciate you guys. Have a good one. Go Browns.